This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Good morning. Did you know that fear is a liar? Has fear tried to creep upon you at some time? It really does. And it's very tormenting. You know, tries to create misery. Tries to manipulate us and control us. It really does. Well, we started uh, three weeks ago talking about stuck. We've talked about being stuck in the negative, stuck complaining, stuck in fear. And we'd like to continue along that line today. And after uh, last week, I was asking Sue, said, you know, I'd like to give a little bit of a review of what we taught last week, just the scriptures, basically. And also, I would share them with her. And I said, we well, think I should cut this out. I've already taught on it. Should I cut this? And she said, no, 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 no. <laughs> so I'm not even sure I can get through the review today, okay? Um, but um, the scriptures is so important that we learn these scriptures and get them into our heart so we can pray them, we can say them, we can sing them, we can think them, because the enemy of our soul would have you stuck in fear and anxiety and worry and unbelief to manipulate your life and control you, what you do by that. So I'm going to give you just a little bit of a review here of this morning. And in the... the, The Bible where it says in 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. He's not given us a spirit of faithlessness. You know, he's not given us a spirit of unbelief. That's what he says. So if God didn't give us this fear that tries to control us, who did? The devil did. And you know, his goal is to come and steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible tells us. But it says, but God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love. And we talked about that last week there in 1 John, is that that perfect love, that relationship between us and God and God and us, that perfect love cast out, expels fear. So God's not given us fear. He does not want us being manipulated and controlled by fear in any aspect of fear in your life. God doesn't want it to be there. It says God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a of power, love, and of a sound mind. Mark chapter 4, verse 40, it says, And he asked them, Why are you so afraid? Jesus is asking them, Why are you so afraid? Do you still not have faith in me? And that's where fear comes from not having faith. And the cure for fear is having faith in Almighty God. He has spoken to us through his word, you know, and you can pick it up and you can read what God's saying to us in this day and time. Christ speaks, you hear, faith comes. The Bible tells in Romans, faith comes by hearing the word. Christ speaks, you hear, faith comes. Christ speaks, you hear, faith comes. Christ speaks, you don't hear, faith don't come. So if we're not hearing what God's word says, 
Faith is not rising up within us, but you can change that by hearing what God says in his word, by reading it, by taking it in, by absorbing it, because it produces faith. And faith is the cure of fear. It genuinely is, you know. It cures fear. Fear is simply unbelief, you know. It really is. Psalms chapter 27, verse 1, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Why should I be afraid? Question mark. The Lord protects me from danger. So why should I tremble? See, without faith in God, we lose heart. And what that means is when we lose heart, we lose courage. Think about that for just a moment. When you lose heart, you lose courage. Have you ever been what we would call discouraged? It's because you lost courage, because you lost heart. That's talking about fear, you know. Let me read to you verse 13 here in Psalms 27. It says, I would have lost heart. I would have lost courage. I would have been discouraged. I would have lost heart unless I had believed. That's talking about faith. I would have lost heart. I would have lost courage unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of God, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. See, uh, fear is often doubting that God's goodness, you know, is coming to us. Well, let me see what I have in my little uh, uh, box here today. And if you haven't been here with us the whole time, this is part three, okay? And this is stuff that I use to get me and other people unstuck. But here's uh, another item. We've used uh, a lot of different things over the past month or so. Does anybody know what this is called? What? A come along. Now, a lot of come alongs have a cape and I've used these uh, before I ever had a winch. And I had a winch on a, uh, an old truck for years, and it was fantastic. I don't have one right now. I may put one on there one of these days. But this right here is like a manual winch. And what you do, this has got an eight-foot strap on here. You pull it out, you hook it onto your truck. You know, then you can hook it onto another truck or hook it to a tree, and you can, you know, ratchet this thing, and it will pull you up to eight foot. But I'm going to tell you what I have learned. Usually, if you're stuck, If I can usually move you two feet, you're unstuck. If I can move you two feet, you'll get to move and get a little bit of momentum, and you can get out of there. What's this called again? And I want you to know that's what God is saying to you and to me. Come along. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because God told me to come along. He says, because you are with me. That's what the Bible tells us, does it not? And to come along, I pulled a lot of people out of a place where they were stuck in years gone by with just a little old come along. But every time you think of that come along, you think about what God is saying to you. Come along. You know, he tells us, all you who labor and are heavy laden, you know, he says, you come along and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. You know, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And he is inviting you and me to come along with him into a close relationship with him. And then when we go through the valley of the shadow of death, we'll go through it 
because we have come along with him and we recognize that God is with us. It's very, very important that we know that, that we are not on our own. It says here in verse 14, it says, wait on the Lord. How many of y'all like waiting? (laughs) Waiting. But I'm talking about expectantly patient. You understand expecting? How many of you ladies have been in that stage of life where you were expecting? Was it worth the wait? Absolutely. And that's what he's talking about here. Wait on the Lord. Be of what? Good courage. Don't be discouraged. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Not fearful and discouraged. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord, patiently expecting God to show up. The best is truly yet to come. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6 says, that is why we can say with confidence, courageously we say this, without discouragement at all, that is why we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will not be afraid. You see where it says the Lord is my helper, so I will not be afraid? Do you see that? Can we read that out loud together? It says, the Lord is my helper, so I will not be afraid. Let's do it once again. The Lord is my helper, so I will not be afraid. Can we say it this time like we actually meant it? The Lord is my helper, so I will not be afraid. I'm telling you, that changes things when you believe it. When it's got down on the inside, faith comes by hearing, and we hear the word of God, and I believe to the core of my being that the Lord is my helper. And I will not be afraid because I know that God's not giving me the spirit of fear. The devil has because he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. But God has given me the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I want to tell you, when we succumb to fear, we're not having a very sound mind. We're being manipulated and controlled by phobias and fears and running here and there and, and all that kinds of stuff. But God can and will and wants to set us free. That's just the truth of it. In uh, the book of Job, I'm still in the review, okay? Just so you know that. In the book of Job, chapter 3, verse 25, it says, For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. What do you fear most? He said, Joseph, the thing that I greatly feared, it has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. He's saying, don't give in to fear, because see, Fear is just like faith. Faith is believing something good's going to happen. Fear is believing something bad's going to happen. And don't give yourself into believing that the worst is yet to come. That's not where we want to go. Faith activates God the same way fear activates the devil in our life. Fear is the wrong use of your imagination. Can't you imagine, you know, if you go to bed late at night, Family's not all in there, you know, and you're uh, hearing this little voice saying, well, they've been in an accident. 
you should probably call all the hospitals, you know. And this doesn't the devil kind of try to write a story to make you more fearful and expect all kinds of terrible things, you know. You're using your imagination. That's what the devil does, try to get our imagination, you know. Get us anticipating the worst case scenario instead of anticipating that the best is yet to come. There was a, a salesman, and he was driving on a lonely country road one dark and rainy night. He had a flat tire, and he opened the trunk, and no lug wrench. The light from a farmhouse could be seen dimly up the road, and he set out on foot through the driving rain. Surely the farmer would have a lug wrench he could let me borrow, he thought. Well, of course it was late at night. The farmer would be asleep in his warm, dry bed. Well, maybe he wouldn't answer the door. This is what the, the salesman's thinking. Maybe he wouldn't answer the door. And if, if he did, well, he'd probably be angry at being awakened in the middle of the night. The salesman, picking his way blindly into the dark, stumbled on. By now, his shoes and his clothing were soaked. Even if the farmer did answer his knock, he thought, he'd probably shout something like, What's the big idea waking me up at this hour? This thought made the salesman angry. He still hadn't got there to the farmer's house yet. What right did that farmer have to refuse him the loan of his lug wrench? After all, here he was standing in the middle of nowhere, soaked to the skin. The farmer was a selfish old clod. No doubt about that. The salesman finally reached the house, banged loudly on the door. A light went on inside and a window opened above. A voice called out, who is it? And his face, white with anger, the salesman called out, you know darn well who it is. It's me. And you can just keep your blasted lug wrench. I wouldn't borrow it if, if it was the last one on earth. You think he let his imagination get carried away with him? He was fearful that the guy wouldn't be nice and kind. He became angry and it began to control him and make him act ways that he should have never acted in the first place. He was stuck. He was stuck in fear and anger and it began to control his life. Don't let that happen to you. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 24 says, you can lie down without fear and enjoy pleasant dreams. Hmm. It's at night. When the sun goes down, the house gets quiet. It's time for everybody to be in the bed. You get in, you turn off the lights. That's when Fears a lots of times really pounce on you in the dark. And you're thinking the worst case scenarios in every situation of your life, your finances, your relationships, your health, your future, whatever, fear tries to pounce on you at that time. But the Bible says you can lie down without fear. You can. It's your choice. You can lie down without fear and enjoy pleasant dreams instead of nightmares. You can. It's a choice that you'll make. Verse 25 says, you need not be afraid. You need not be afraid of disaster, you know, a catastrophe, tragedy. You need not be afraid of all that, calamity or, or destruction. You need not be afraid of disaster or destruction that comes upon the wicked. If you're trusting God, you don't need to be afraid of any of those things when you lay down. He goes on to say, verse 26, it says, For the Lord is your security. 
He's your safety. He's your refuge. He's your sanctuary. He's your protection. And he will keep your, your foot from being caught in a trap. Now, I actually have a bear trap, but it is missing. I expect one day somebody to come walking in here with a big old bear trap on their leg and say, Pastor, can you help me get this thing off? It takes four men to open it up. But there is one here somewhere, but I couldn't find it. So I just bought some little old traps, you know, just a few of some traps that I have laying around. And uh, these are just steel traps. And all I need is for somebody to let me borrow their toe. You know, uh, you know what? This is probably the most familiar, but that one's broke now. This one's okay. All right. So you're, you're familiar with how these things work pretty well. And we usually catch what with these things here? This is not a mouse trap. This is a rat trap. But I can tell you this right now. If I can catch a rat's foot, I'll get the rest of him too. You know what I'm saying? And they have what they call foothold traps. That's what they use in catching coyotes and bobcats and weasels and you name it. Beaver trappers, all the trappers, they use these foothold traps. Most of them do. Because if you get the foot, it ain't long for you get the rest of you too. You know, and that's what it says here. In verse 26 there, that we were reading there out of Psalms, uh, Proverbs 3, it says, For the Lord is your security, and he will keep your foot from being caught. He'll keep your foot from being caught in a trap. I probably shouldn't leave this one just laying there because somebody will get stopped on it or something or other. All right. Okay, it's not going to trap you now. Okay. He says here, for the Lord is your security and he will keep your foot from being caught in a trap. That's what God says in his word. The book of Job, chapter 11, verse 13, it says, if only you would prepare your heart. And let me tell you what he's talking about here. Confessing your sins to almighty God. He says, if you confess your sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from every wrong. That's how we prepare our hearts for him. He says, if only you would prepare your heart and lift up your hands, and what do you think that would mean? If a cop comes and catches the bad guy, and a guy does that, what does that usually mean? I surrender, you know. I surrender. So it says, if only you would prepare your hearts and lift up your hands to him in prayer and get rid of your sins, and the way you get rid of your sins is do, it's a kind of a military term where you do an about face. That. It's what repentance is, change your direction. Turn from your sin and turn to God. And that's what he's talking about here. If only you would prepare your hearts, confessing your sins, lift up your hands, that's surrender to him in prayer, get rid of your sins, that's how much just a repentance, change your direction, and leave all iniquity, all that wickedness behind you. If you would do that, then your face will brighten in innocence and you will be strong and Free of fear. You'll be free of fear. Just get your heart right with God. You know, you do what he tells us to do by faith, and he says you'll be free. Fear cannot control or manipulate you any longer. Verse 18 says you will have courage. 
not be discouraged, not stuck in a mud puddle, a mud hole of discouragement, but you'll have courage. You will have courage because you will have hope. And hope means a confident expectation for the future. You will have courage because you have hope. You will be protected and will rest in safety. And you will lie down unafraid, not having nightmares, but having pleasant dreams. You will lie down unafraid and many will look to who? To you for help. People will see that you are not stuck in the mud hole of fear, phobias. People will see that you're not filled with doubt and unbelief and anxiety. And they'll go, how did you do that? How did you do that? And you'll tell them about almighty God. When you're walking with him, you're responding when he says, come along. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to be afraid of any evil. I'm not going to be afraid because God's with me. And you'll be such an encouragement and such an inspiration to other people. That's what he says here, verse 19. You will lie down unafraid and many will look to you for help because you'll inspire them. Psalms 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge. He is our safe haven. He is our, our shelter. He's our harbor. It says, for God is our refuge and strength. What's that next word? What does always mean? Always. means always. <laughs> it means at all times. It means continually. It says God is our refuge and our strength, always ready to help. Help who? Help you. He is always ready to help in times of trouble. Always. Always. Not 50% of the time, not just on Sundays. God is always ready to help you in times of trouble. But the devil would have you to believe, well, God's mad at me. He won't help me. And you're fearful. And you create what you fear. That's what Job told us. Don't be afraid of that. Find out what the Bible says. Let it produce faith. And you'll come to God. Father, you said it in your word that you're always ready to help me in times of trouble. And I'm in trouble. And I need you right now. And we need to believe that. Faith comes by hearing God's word and choosing to believe it. The devil's going, oh, no, God won't do that. Yeah, he hates you. He's mad. At you. He's upset with you. The devil wants you to be controlled, manipulated by fear. Instead of believing the best is yet to come, the devil wants you to believe the worst is yet to come. He wants you to use your imagination to imagine horrible, terrible things. And we need to cast that stuff down. Unless you just want to live in a mud puddle of fear. But I believe that Almighty God has tells us over and over and over in his word that he came to see us through, not to leave us in a mud hole of fear, but to, to get us out on the other side. We'll go through that thing. So he says here, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. Hmm. It says in verse 2, so we will not fear. We will not fear. And then it gets pretty radical. This is for the men and women who choose to believe. So we will not fear, even if earthquakes come. I'm talking about trembling, you know, shaking, underground upheavals, destroying buildings, you know. 
I mean, changing the whole surrounding landscape, rerouting streams. I'm talking about devastation that often earthquakes come along with some volcanic activity, destroying all kinds of things around about us. Well, you think if an earthquake come right now, would it have a tendency to instill fear into you? If half of the building split and fell over that way, and, and the road in the middle out here beside us, there was a great big old crevice, in one, would it have a tendency to make you fearful? I think it would. But you listen to what God says about his word. He says in his word, and his word was written for you and me because he's crazy about you, because he loves you. It says in Psalms 46, verse 1, God is our refuge. He's our safe haven. And our strength, always, always, always ready to help in times of trouble. So, so, because he's always ready to help in times of trouble. So, we will not fear, comma, even if earthquakes come. We will not fear, even if earthquakes come and mountains crumble into the sea, tsunamis and hurricanes and unbelievable kind of storms. Do you think you could possibly be in such an environment and not be manipulated and controlled by fear? Let me tell you something. When you get fearful, you can run into trouble. You can get yourself in a whole lot of trouble just running from, oh, look at that crack. Look at that crack. Over. Oh, look, you see that crack? Boom. And you drive off into a big old hole. You know what? It's very common when people get lost up on the mountain. It's just common. It happens all the time. You know, when they get lost, you know what they do? They speed up, and they get loster quicker. <laughs> that is a tendency amongst people. They panic, and they do things that is not really wise of them to do. But God's word says it. I didn't make this up. This is absolutely amazing. He says here, so we will not fear, even if earthquakes come and mountains crumble into the sea. We're not going to be afraid. You mean we can have such an awesome relationship with the almighty God who created the place? that we can know he's going to take care of us, I'm telling you, it's possible. It's available to us. Listen to what it says here. In Psalm, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, it says, I have strength. For what? All I have strength for all things in Christ, in Christ who empowers me. And I am ready for anything, and I am equal to anything through him who infuses, who imparts inner strength into me. That is, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Now, let me just help you to understand that a little bit better here. See that better over there, I think. Say, Pastor Ron, you drink tea? Yes, I do. Let's see. Here's one. It's called Sapphire Cider, an herbal tea. Yeah. Pecan Cinnamon. That's not too bad. Twelfth night, a uh, black tea. Well, here's a green tea. It's called gunpowder. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. 
Oh. Now, what I have to do here, now, y'all be careful. Close your eyes. If an explosion or something happens up here. <laughs> Susan and I, we bought this at a specialty tea shop at the mall. I'm not teasing. That says gunpowder. Just in case you thought I was making that up. Okay. My wife put the lid on. (laughs) Oh, there we go. I have in this cup? It's just the weakest drink that you could come up with. You know, just simple water. (laughs) I dropped my chain. Can I get somebody to use their finger to grab my chain? That's okay. I just put some tea into a very weak drink called water. After about five minutes, when I take that little tea ball out of there and I'll put it up here in the bag, what will I have in in the cup? But I put water in to start with. Why are you going to call it tea? Because an infusion has taken place. And now you call it tea. It's become one with the tea. And you and I, when we become one with Christ, there's an infusion that takes place, you see. And people often call you Christian, which means what? Christ-like. There's an infusion of God's strength and his power takes place in us and enables us to do things we could have never done before. This is what the scripture says here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. It says, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me, through Christ who empowers me, and I'm ready for anything. This is not arrogance. This is not prideful arrogance here. This is talking about speaking reality. It says, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me and I am ready for anything and I am equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. That is, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. That is absolutely dynamic. There's a, a miracle that has happened here. Now, you think that's been there long enough? Not yet. Okay. Well, let's stay there a little while longer then. Could God have kept Daniel out of the lion's den? 
think he probably could have. Could God have kept Paul and Silas out of the prison? I think he could have. Could God have kept Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? It was three Hebrew children whose uh, parents had been murdered in another nation, and they had been brought as slaves, but they were very smart, very wise young boys, and they'd been brought into Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom because you could tell of their uh, IQ, their, their personality. They were awesome potential leaders. And they brought them there in slavery, and then they trained them, and they become their very own, and they became leaders for Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar. We know that they ended up somewhere. Where was that? In a fiery furnace. Could God have kept Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the fiery furnace? He surely could have. But he never promised to keep us out of hard places. But he promised to bring us through them victoriously. That's what he's promised, to bring us through them victoriously. Okay. You don't do that? <laughs> Whoops. My microphone. I've got to fix that clip there. It keeps, I reckon I shouldn't move around as much. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty good. Oh, I'm sorry I don't have enough to share with you guys. <laughs> An infusion. I had a cup of tea. Others could have, oh, you just got some water with some little leaves in it or something. No, it was an infusion. A miracle happened. Same kind of confu- uh, infusion that takes place with us in Christ where his strength is released in our weaknesses. That's what he tells us in his word. Now, I was talking to you about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego a while ago. And what happened with those guys, King Nebuchadnezzar decided he was going to make this fantastic statue. Now, you know the Bible says do not worship, do not bow down to it, even forbids us to make statues. But he forbids us to worship them, surely. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had seen this with thousands of other people out in this big, beautiful plain. This big old golden image had been put there. And the king says, when the music begins to play, everybody in the nation will bow down and worship this golden image. And it's kind of hard to hide amongst thousands of people when they're all kneeling and laying their head flat on the ground and you're still standing up. But that's what happened. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these who had been slaves who are now leaders in this nation, they do not bow down. And the leader said, hey, to the king, hey, Nebuchadnezzar, these three guys here, they, they didn't bow like you told them to. The threat was if you did not bow, you'd be thrown into a fiery furnace. So he brought them before him and he said, you know what? Uh, you guys are from another nation. Maybe you just don't quite understand what I'm talking about. I'm going to give you another opportunity And if you bow down, everything will be cool. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, O king, 
you don't need to give us another chance. We already know what we're going to do. Our God is able to deliver us from your fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, is that me? Even if he doesn't deliver us from the fiery furnace, we're still not going to worship your golden image. And the king, he got mad. His anger began to control him. And he told his soldiers, heat the furnace up seven times hotter than it was already, you know, and to throw these men into that thing. There was no fear in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were not being manipulated and controlled by a phobia of any kind. So the soldiers heated it up. And when it was the right heat that the king wanted to be, he told the soldiers to take Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them in the fiery furnace. And when the soldiers got close enough to throw them in, many of the soldiers were struck dead because the furnace was so hot. Heated way beyond anything it should have been. And they took uh, all of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's, they took their coats and all these clothes and put them on them and then tied them up with ropes so they would burn longer. And they threw them in the fire there, and the king felt justified. And then he's looking at what's going on there, and he's talking to his leaders here and says, didn't we throw three guys in there? all tied up and bound? Yes, sir. He says, well, I see four men in there, and they're not tied up any longer. But the fourth man that we didn't throw in there, he looks like a divine being. He looks like the son of a god. That's what he said. And they're looking and looking in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and somebody else who is absolutely majestic is walking around in that fire with them and the king's going up hey Shadrach, Meshach Benigo hey guys would y'all come over here pretty please you know because he couldn't go in and get them when they finally came out the bible says they didn't even have the smell of smoke on them but all their ropes had been burned off and they were free I'm going to tell you, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, no fiery furnace, because you are with me. You don't have to be afraid when God has beckoned you, come along with me. Let's live together. I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. That's what I'm talking about. In the book of uh, Psalms 23, Powerful passage, you know the thing. You probably quote it to me, but let me read it to you one more time. 23rd Psalm. It says, the Lord, this is David saying, the Lord is my, he's my shepherd. That means I'm a sheep. The Lord is my shepherd and I have everything I need. What more could I want? He is my shepherd. You know, it even says in the Bible that God says, if you had needed more, all you had to do is ask me and I'd give it to you. Did you know that's in the Bible? So we don't have to be crooked and do dirty deals and things because you just go to Almighty God and he'll provide you what you need in this life. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Verse 2 says, he lets me rest, rest in green meadows. There's no fear in that. Lots of times shepherds would take their sheep up to the high pastures and the sheep are out there running to grab that little bunch of grass and grab that little bunch of grass, grab that little bunch of grass, grab that little bunch of grass, 
But it says the Lord is, is my shepherd. He lets me rest. I'm not competing for my needs to be met. I can lay down. The, the meadows are so luscious green. You know, they, I can lay down and sleep and know when I get up, there's going to be more than enough grass still left for, for me. Uh, I'm not going to fear that there ain't going to be enough for me. That's what he's telling us here. He lets me rest in green meadows. There's no fear there. He leads me beside peaceful streams. And you understand that sheep are afraid of, you know, uh, very rushing and raging waters because they understand that their, their wool is like a, a sponge and they'll absorb all this water and it'll pull them under and they'll drown. So they're afraid of rushing water. But listen what the sheep, David, is saying about his shepherd. He leads me beside peaceful streams. Now, there's no fear in that. We'll lay down by the peaceful streams. We'll get up. We'll have a sip of that water by those peaceful streams and all. And then in verse 3 it says, He renews my strength by imparting his own strength into me by this infusion. He renews my strength by his strength being released in my weakness. He renews my strength. He guides me along, what's that say? Right paths, not wrong paths. You go down a wrong path and you're fearful you're going to get caught. Some bad might happen. But it says he guides me along right paths. There's no fear in that. Bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through, not stuck in, but even when I walk through the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid. I'm not stuck in fears and phobias and anxieties and unbelief and doubt. But I'm walking through that thing because he said, come along. And we're going to walk through that thing together. And I'm not going to be stuck anywhere. And he says here, even when I walk through the dark, through the dark, through the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Oh, I forgot my... My rod and my staff. Hold on a second. Here's my staff. And you understand what a staff is for like this? One of the sheep gets caught in the thickest. The, the, the briars, the thorns sent off, and a shepherd reaches in with that crook on the end of his stick and he hooks it in the, the wool and then twists it and twists it. And what he's actually doing, he's making a rope out of that wool. He twists it and twists it and then that sheep will no longer be stuck in the thicket. Then he'll pull him out. That's, that's why they have that crook on there. Oh yeah, if they can get it around their neck, maybe, but it's not going to fit every sheep's neck, but they do hook it into the wool. And it says here, See, what verse was I at? That's verse 4. Even when I walk through the dark valley of death, I will fear, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod, here's the rod, and your staff protect and what? Comfort me. Now this right here is for beating the wolves off. The rod is to beat the wolves off who come and try to eat the sheep. And I have a little secret in my, my, uh, my uh, stick. 
my rod. And I think I could probably take care of just about any old wolf that came after the sheep. You think so? Um, let me ask you a question. Would that be comforting to you if you as a sheep and wolves were coming that your shepherd had a rod that he could fight off the wolves with? Now, last night, it just happened. We didn't plan it this way. There's a, a friend of ours. He used to be our custodian years ago, Larry Labby. He lives down South Carolina where my family lives now, and he's up here visiting his family. And I was like, Larry. And just like, it happened. I said, you remember a long time ago when he was up here for a visit? And I said, and we hiked up on my mountain in the, the wintertime. You want to go up there and pray with me? So I, and he stood up and he told the story. We had two, feet, two to three foot of snow, and we hiked up about a mile and a half up on the top of the mountain up there, 12 o'clock at night. And I said, Larry, won't you stay right here? I'm going to go over here a couple hundred yards just so we can have privacy and all, just to pray. And I said, how would you feel, Larry? And he said, well, he didn't feel so good. And only because he said this, you know, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you. He said, he didn't feel so good about that because I had the gun. So when we were together, my weapons comforted him. You know, lions and tigers and bears come after me, hold by. You know, well, we can handle it, you know. But when we had 200, you know, yards between us, he didn't feel so comfortable anymore. And the scripture says here, you're close beside me, your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. God had a rod to beat off the wolves and the bears and all that. The shepherd did. And that was the real shepherds. They would fight off. You, you, you hear David. He talks about how he killed the bear and he killed mountain lions and things that would come to try to eat his sheep and wolves and all. So it's, it's, it's a comfort. You know, it's a comfort. When a policeman comes up and you're in a real, you know, dangerous situation, you know, it's comforting that you know that they, they're prepared to take care of any situation. It's comforting. And that's what the Bible is saying here, you know. And he goes on to say in verse 5, you prepare a feast for me. My, my chef, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. How many of you have a picnic when a lot of your enemies are around? You can't think about having no picnic, can you? Not at all. And it says, Lord, my chef, you prepare a feast. I mean, a banquet for me in the presence of my enemies. There ain't no fear in that because you know that God's taking care of you in the presence of your enemies. You don't have to be controlled by fear. Welcoming me as a guest, anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with what? My cup overflows with blessing. I got more blessings than I can possibly use myself. There's so many that's overflowing, it's enough to share with everybody else around me. It says, my cup overflows with blessings. No fear there. Verse 6 says, surely your goodness and unfailing love. These are the bodyguards. Will pursue me. The King James says, will follow me all the days of my life. Not just on Sundays. Surely your goodness and your unfailing love, your mercy will pursue, follow me all the days of my life. And I'll live in the house in the presence of the Lord forever. I'm telling you, God is crazy about you. And he don't want you stuck 
and any fear and any worry and any anxiety. God wants you to be free. And he says, come along with me and I will infuse into you. He says his strength is made perfect in our weakness. He says, I will infuse into you my strength and my power that you don't have to be afraid of nothing, not even earthquakes. Now, that's what my Bible says. And some people say, well, I don't believe that. Well, then that's your problem. What about the people who do believe it? It's true. So it sounds too good to be true. Yeah, going to heaven sounds too good to be true, too. Being forgiven of all your past sounds too good to be true, too. But it is true. Let me read you one more story. Then we're going to play a song, and then we'll be dismissed. Wyman Township, Maine. A 90-year-old woman grabbed a bobcat by its short tail. You know a bobcat's tail is only about that long. So for real. She grabbed a hold of a bobcat's tail to free her beloved pet cat from the wild cat's mouth. Her name was Mildred Luce, who lives alone. She said the action began one recent day when she looked outside her window and she saw a bobcat laying on its side with the head of her 20-year-old cat. Can you imagine? 20 years old that cat had lived. His name was Smudge, and Smudge was in the bobcat's mouth. Mildred Luce, she ran out the door and she grabbed an aluminum snow shovel and she beat the bobcat with it and she pushed the shovel down on the bobcat's neck, but it held on tight to her cat. Then, she said, then I took hold of its head with my hand and pulled its tail with the other hand and smudge popped out of its mouth. Smudge high-tailed it. That was the cat. Smudge high-tailed it into the house with the bobcat hot on her heels. Once inside, the wildcat calmed down and appeared more bewildered than aggressive. Mildred Lou said, wandering, the cat wandered from room to room before walking into the bathroom. A neighbor whom Luce had called for help secured the door until Warden Mark Rollins arrived and snared the animal as it hid behind a shower curtain. Luce was upset by the whole episode even more because her other cat, five-year-old Foxy, had been mauled the night before and had died. But Luce never had a second thought about coming to the rescue of her Cat Smudge, who was still on the mend. I had no fear of it. I was just interested in saving Smudge, my cat. The bobcat was killed, so it could be tested for rabies, and the results was negative. Now, that woman, I like that woman, you know. <laughs> she wasn't stuck in no fear. It's like, that's my cat. You get away from it. She grabbed that bobcat by the head and by the tail and was yanking on him, so it turned loose of her cat. I like her style. I really do. Are you stuck in fear, though, where you can't do what God wants you to do? You're afraid about the future? You're afraid about what the news said? You're afraid about the neighbors? You're afraid about your health, you know? And you, have, you ever go to a restaurant and you're eating, you know, and you're halfway through your meal and you look on the back of the fork, there's a piece of green something that's cooked on there, you know? And you're going, oh, no. 
I'm probably going to die now. I should probably just go straight to the emergency room. You know what your imagination can do? You know what I'm saying? It, 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 it is a horrible thing. Fear creates misery. It genuinely does. Are you stuck in fear? You don't have to be. I believe with all my heart that God never intended you and I to be manipulated and controlled by fear. He doesn't want you stuck in fears and phobias and worry and anxiety and unbelief and doubt. He doesn't want you to be fearful there. He don't want you stuck there. You know, he didn't say you're not going to go through hard places, but he'll help you get through it on the other side. You will not be stuck there. And I can tell you, we'll begin to read our Bible. He says, faith comes by hearing, hearing God's word. It produces what we need to cure fear, to set us free. No matter even if earthquakes would come, no matter the worst case scenario, you could stand strong because you know that God is there to help you in your times of trouble. And he is always ready. These passages should be looked at again and read again, maybe memorized and hidden in your heart because it changes things when you believe God's word and you take it to heart. You take courage. You don't get discouraged. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I ask that you would just minister to every man, woman, boy, and girl in this building and that you'd minister to every man, woman, boy, and girl who's watching online, who watches this by DVD or other uh, avenues. Father, your word sets us free. It builds our faith. We thank you for the knowledge that you love us so much. You're crazy about us. And you're always ready and more than able to infuse your strength and power to us to help us to overcome every fear, every phobia, every anxiety that would try to hurt us. Bless my brothers and sisters here. Bless those who are watching online this day who is hearing this message now and set them free from those things that would try to manipulate and control their life. We believe that you are good and, and, and your loving kindness is there with us every day of our life. Your mercy and your grace and your strength is there for us. May that become a reality for each and every one of us here. Now as our heads are bowed, I would ask if you would reaffirm your faith in Christ if you already know him. But if you don't, would you declare your faith with us today for the very first time? Wherever you might be, I want you to pray with us right now. Would you join us as we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your son Jesus. I believe he gave his life in my place to set me free so I'd no longer be stuck and sin. <clears throat> I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and he's knocking at the door of my heart and I open wide that door and I receive Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. I turn from those things and I choose this day to lift my life for Jesus. I choose to respond when he says, come along. I'm going to follow him closely. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.